Hello everybody, welcome to episode 122 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name is Rod Murray and what matters on this episode is getting back to what actually matters about golf and that is the game itself. In two weeks time the Open will return to the home of golf and an old course open is a special occasion and a cause for joy and celebration. Like most golfers we've been distracted here at State of the Game by happenings at the top of men's golf. But today we're a live-free zone because today we're going to focus on St Andrews. Joining me for what I feel certain is going to be a fascinating and enjoyable discussion, my regular co-host from the US, writer, commentator, author of The Quadrilateral and more, Jeff Shackelford. Jeff, looking forward to, even though the pre-chat has been all about the live golf and the rest of it between us, looking forward to not doing that for the listeners today and talking about some actual golf, which will be nice. There's so much to say about the place and the history that uh that really is i mean we could do 10 podcasts i'm sure if we wanted to and and it's going to be a great week uh so many interesting things coming up uh um, how the course plays the whole thing the 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 books that are coming out the people who will be there it's just going to be uh fantastic indeed i was going to say books have been written about it it's so interesting (laughs) from here in australia former tour pro turned architect and writer Mike Clayton. Clayton, it's good to have you aboard. I'm particularly interested to get your thoughts, though. I'm particularly interested to get you that microphone close to your mouth. The people have voted, mate. That's what they want. So pick it up and uh, get it nice and close to you. Uh, looking forward to chatting today. Uh, thank you, Rod, as always. Same question for both of you, but I want to start with you, Clayton. What were the circumstances of the first time you went to the old course, and what are your memories of the first time you encountered it? It was the 1984 Open where I, Steve Williams was cutting for me. Uh, I birdied, I think, five of the last seven holes at Leaven to qualify and went to the Open. I knew nothing about the golf course. Um, I should have, if I'd known any better, I would have walked around it before I played it. So the first practice round was just a kind of waste of, a t- waste of time, really. So you, you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea where you're going. You don't understand the golf course. You know... Nothing about it because it was a time when no one spoke about architecture or wrote about it or read about it. Or Were you interested it. in architecture at that time already or no? Well, I was, but um, I was interested in good golf courses and I'd grown up with them surrounding me in Melbourne, but you know, no one was writing about it. I, you know, I hadn't read a book about it. I, no one was talking about it. There was no internet. So in, in terms of the way people talk about it now there wasn't even remotely close to the interest in the subject then than, the, than there is in the current day so I didn't know much about the golf course I got on the second hole of the tournament and had a you know, my first lesson in links golf is if you're in a bunker get out of it so I pulled it over in that bunker way left of the second and thought Steve and I both thought I could get out with a seven iron three shots later I got out with a wedge <laughs> made, made triple nice so um but it was, you know, it was a, and I didn't, I'm not sure that I had much sense of the history of the place or I wasn't like in awe of it or as I would be now. I mean, I go there now and I can't believe how ignorant I was and how little I knew about it. And I was just a golf pro playing golf, really. And I stayed with, and we stayed with Wayne Grady, Ian Baker Finch, and I shared a house together that, that week. So, Grades and I both missed the cut, but went to bed on Saturday night thinking that guy in the next room there might win the Open might, tomorrow. Might actually win the Open. Wow, that would have been a yeah. – we'll, we'll, we'll do an episode on that amazing. one day. What might have been going on behind the scenes there? A not uncommon reaction there, Shaq. Lots of people, Sam Sneed famously, 
completely underwhelmed by the old course the first time they visited. What's your memories of your first time you encountered the old course? And I assume the circumstances would have been somewhat different to Clay's. I imagine you knew something about it before you got there and were excited to see it. Well, I was a tourist with my dad. We went there uh, a couple of times when I was a teenager. And uh, you reminded me to get the my, my photo album out. I should scan a couple of those photos um, uh, because they're they're It's fun to see the golf course. Uh, this would have been 86, I believe, or 87. I got to check. Um, anyway, so, yeah, no, I mean, it was the more of the pilgrimage kind of uh, we knew. Yeah, what, what was going on and uh, things were better than. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about it. You forget there were some I'm just reading the Greenkeeper's book, uh, Gordon Moyer has written a new book that uh, I'll be reviewing in the newsletter and I have a Q&A with him on. You forget, you know, they, they went through a period where the place was in terrible shape uh, and it was was not viewed in great uh, ways. Claith shared recently on Twitter uh, some some comments from Peter Thompson. He wrote a piece about how it had oh, fallen in disrepair. Right, and, yeah. I think that was, I asked Claith, I think at the time, I believe that was when the, around the time the Old Course Hotel had been put up so that was adding to the um the horror of it all and probably helped fuel some of his uh because it was a strong piece right clays he was he was brutal in it yeah and and he was you know as curry webb was the only one who could have a whack at greg norman thompson was the only one who could have a whack at the old court yeah yeah you know without people coming back and saying who the hell do you think you are why why? you know i'm peter thompson i can (laughs) Yeah. yeah, he presented a brilliant case. I mean, he slaughtered the place, but it was brilliant. Yeah, so it had really fallen, and and uh, so yeah, that it was back to kind of that uh, place you had to go to. And then obviously, I've been back uh, several times, either for uh, two Open Championships, and then uh, more recently, I went there f- during the Carnoustie Open and left my uh, wallet and passport in, a, in, in the bar there underneath the Hamilton Grand. Thank God they have a nice staff. And uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, um, you never get tired of going back, all the cliches. But no, I had no idea what I was was looking at or getting into. It didn't make any sense. You read that over and over again, and it just is true. It's why this year, I, I one of the pieces I hope to get done before I leave is uh, talking to different players about how they plan to prepare. And it, it's it was hard hard for me not to say something when these players are telling me, yeah, we'll get in Monday and we'll <laughs> pick our lines and, um, you know, that kind of stuff that you just go, I don't think that's going to – I mean, it could work. I was going to say, is it, is it still true, Shaq, or have we hit the point where you No, can- that place is still very true. Um, now, they could do some things where they go with the local caddy. Um, yeah, somebody like Colin Morikawa, his caddy has worked several Opens – so there are things, yeah, where you built in some, yeah, okay, this could happen. But, uh, yeah, I was just listening to Rory McIlroy today talking about same thing. Didn't didn't get it the first few times. Now he loves it. He's had some success there. Uh, he's just trying to make sure he doesn't get hurt between now and then, that kind of thing. He's dying to get there. And, and I really would be shocked if somebody wins who has not done quite a bit of preparation especially you know they talk so much about their lines off the tee even on ordinary golf courses and there it is so vital and uh uh there's some fascinating stuff that nota begay shared about how tiger figured out where his lines were off the tee and the buildings in the town and how he he visualized them at night and you're like i don't think there are many guys doing that kind of thing um (laughs) 
today. So I think those players who've played there a lot will be an advantage. And then, you know, all reports right now are it's very firm and fast. They're, they're supposed to start getting some rain, but the firmer it gets, yeah, the shorter it plays. And they're going to make a mockery of some of the par fours. But the more you really need to be aware of what to do in certain situations and certain wins and where to miss it, mostly where to miss it. Right, Clay? To me, isn't that kind of the, I think, where the guys go wrong is they just don't understand uh, yeah. when to really play safe. Yeah, I mean, 17 is obviously the classic example of that. Um, the, the amazing history of the play was Tony Lima, who played, what, 27 holes in practice, won the tournament? Which was, yeah. you know, going against the, the conventional wisdom that you can't win yeah. if you don't know the golf course. Having said that, he got an amazing draw too. He played on the good side of the draw. Nicholas played on the terrible side, and right, you know, he, had, he had him by beat him by two after being at least twelve ahead of him after two days, I think. So, but Tip Anderson carried for him and got him around, and but I think that was the exception that proved the rule, really. It might be one of those. It's, it's it's the extremes, isn't it, Clay? You've either got to be as super prepared as Tiger was, or know nothing about the place. In between those two, yeah. you're in all sorts yeah. of trouble. You know too much and not enough at the same time. What was your response, Shaq, when you first went there? Like a lot of people, I think I went there in '97 with my mate BJ, editor of the magazine. We drove past it, of course. We have expectations about golf, possibly only outside Scotland, that you'll see so there'll be a fence and a sign and there'll be something here. We drove past the course, didn't realise we'd driven past it. We knew everything we thought you could know about it. It's such an understated place, isn't it? And you kind of, I think most people probably start there. They get onto the first team and think, this is just weird. It's not like anything you've ever encountered before, is it? Even though you might know before what other people have told you to expect. Yeah, no, the, and and then it, it just doesn't really, you never really get those great views until you're kind of coming in and you see the town. But yeah, it's just strange and they're weird contours and um, it's confusing and, and it's just so, it's really almost disorienting c- compared to like a normal golf course. <laughs> and um, that said, though, I, I, you know, once you've kind of experienced the town and look at the scene, it's it's pretty hard not to get. Uh, excited pretty quickly and but that has been the uh, reaction through the years and there's been some very funny ones uh, you know Samson it looks like the kind of real estate you couldn't give away and um, Ed Fergal it needs a dry clean and a press I'm doing a compilation of the best one-liners about the old course and and most of them are very positive but but there's a few yeah the negative ones are pretty funny too um, and some people just don't uh, open their mind to it and uh, that's that's they're not going to do very well there. And the ones who do uh, generally uh, love it. I heard I heard a great recent story, and some people might take this the wrong way, or, or people who want to not like Tiger, but uh, very successful. I met a guy randomly here in in LA, very successful um, uh, music executive, and signed some of the biggest acts uh, ever and a uh, wonderful, nice man. I, and, and he's gotten into golf architecture and the person who introduced said that. And, and then uh, we started, somehow we got to the old course and he and another guy who's a, a friend of tiger uh, went, played, didn't get it, just tried. They just, it just, just didn't resonate. Yeah. They only played it once. And um, <clears throat> they saw tiger after and they said, uh, well, we played and we just, you know, no offense, but we, you, it's your favorite course in the world. We, 
we just don't, what, what are we missing? Do we, we, we understand. And Tiger just looked at him and smiled and said, you're not good enough golfers to understand it. <laughs> and then he let out a big laugh and, you know, some people might find that obnoxious, but I think what he was getting at and, and you read it in the quotes from Nicholas and, and Jones and Tiger, the more you learn it and, and the more you love it. And then for those players who combine brain and skill, like nobody else has, and those three are in that category, it's the place that stimulates something from them on every single shot. And, and when you're at that level, I would imagine there are a lot of golf courses, they grew bored playing. Um, and so that place never lets up in that sense for them. Talk about that, Clay. So you've written about this beautifully in the past. And for somebody who can actually play, uh, is, is Jeff right about that? The better you are as a player, the more you can appreciate it? Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, every shot, well, I don't think it's probably right. It is right. But um, every shot there, aside from the shot at the first hole where you've got to hit the ball in the air to get over the water, you can play so many different ways. We see so much golf where there's really only one way to play the shot. You just, it's 140 yards, it's a nine-on, you hit it up in the air and it stops on the green and you putt and you go to the next hole. You can play that shot with any one of five or six clubs at the old course if you want. I mean, not many people do it, but the easiest shot in golf is to chip and run along the ground from 170 yards with a four-iron to sit at 100 yards and let it run the rest of the way. But no one hits that shot anymore, but you can play that shot legitimately on a lot of holes there. Not every hole, but a lot of holes. And there are so many different lines you can take. You can play the Mackenzie's famous drawing of the 14th hole where there are five or you know, five ways yeah. to play that yeah. hole. You, know, you can play it down the... I remember, I remember playing the Open in 1990. I was going down the 14th. Steve Williams was catting for Ray Floyd. He was coming up the 5th, and I was on the 14th, kind of wondering what I was going to do, and he just walked past and said, hit it down the 5th. And just kept walking. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's just a – and people talk about the mystique of the place. And, you know, if you go there the first time, perhaps you get it, perhaps you don't. But the thing you miss is how great the holes are. I mean, if you play from the 11th hole in, which is not to disregard how great the fourth hole is or the, you know, the second shot of the fifth or – but from the 11th in, there are some of the yeah. very best holes in the world. They're incredible holes. So someone who's going there for the first time is not a particularly good player, is, doesn't have much sense of architecture, is going to miss how great 11, 12, 13, 14, maybe not 15, but certainly 16, 17, yeah. no matter how great they are. I mean, they're some of the – you can make an argument they are the best holes in the world. Each one of them individually is a – you know, it's the best par five. It's 16 might be the best medium short par four. 17 is probably the best long par four. 13 is definitely in the conversation. 12 is an incredible short par four. And 11 is a great par three. So, you know, the run from the 11th tee in is just incredible in terms of – but if you're not a very good player who doesn't really know what's coming up, who's just hitting the ball and trying to miss people coming the other way and – trying to shoot break 90, then you're going to miss how great those holes are because you're not going to be looking at that. I certainly wasn't when I played the, when I first played the Open there. Now I, every time I go there, I go and you know, I was at Renton Laidlaw's Memorial a couple of months ago and you just go and walk that course. And, you know, as Bobby Jones said, the more you study it, the more you love it, the more you love it, the more you study it, or the other way around. But, 
you know, you're in awe of how great those holes are and, and how many ways there are to play them. I was going to say, yeah. in case there's any novices listening, Clates, what makes that run of holes so great? Give us a little quick praise maybe, and Shaq, you can dive in if you want to pick up one or two of the holes yourself and explain what makes them so great to somebody who maybe doesn't understand architecture and why they're so great. Start with the 11th, Clates. Well, it's just a beautiful par three across the valley to a massively wide green with, it seemed in the, I mean, I played three opens there, it seemed like every, it seemed like they never moved the pin. It was just behind the bunker. On the well, right. they, they actually, they really haven't, which was why they softened the, the green, green yeah. Um, yeah. or, or so, to try to get that left pin by the uh, hill bunker back. Yes. So I never ever played it over to the far left pin, which would be a really <clears> cool <throat> shot to have to hit. Um, 12 is just a, what do I do short par four here? So, so Mackenzie, you understood that hole. And, and when you stand on the tee, it's like, what do I do here today? You know, where's the pin? Where's the wind? How am I playing? Where am, am I going to make the cut? Am I going to win the tournament? What, you know, what do I do here? And there's so many options about what you're doing, and and, it, they, and they completely change when the wind changes. I was going to say the today what, part of that's important, isn't it, Clates? You don't just take that hole in isolation in a vacuum and say it's a great hole. It's a great hole because partly because depending on what's happening on the day, where the winds come into the wind and downwind, that hole is two completely different holes, isn't it? With two totally different strategies probably required. Well, I was seeing Danny Willard in when, 2015, I think, hitting, he was hitting five iron in there. Straight into the wind, he'd laid up off the tee and he was way back there. You know, so Mackenzie understood why that was a great hole. And if you understand why that's a great hole, then if you incorporate the elements of that hole into any short par four you build, you're going to build a great hole. So, so it's, the, it's why it's the master golf course because it's, you know, it spawns so many imitations. As Peter Thompson said, it was, it's every golf course mm. is an imitation in, in its own way of the old course. Yeah. Certainly the best ones are. And it's why Mackenzie was such a great architect because he understood you know, the vexing questions that the course posed. Then you get to 13 where you know, the bunker's in the middle of the fairway and if you go in there, that's an automatic bogey. And, you know, it's, if you're good. Great shots. <laughs> if you're yeah, a good yeah, player, it's good, an automatic yeah. bogey. That's right. Yeah. I remember <clears throat> Ken, Ken Brown played with Seve in 1978. He said, Seve should have won that tournament. He said, you can't believe how well he played for the – First thirty-four holes, and then he blew it into the hotel on seventeen and made seven, and and then where he finished. But he, yeah, he played decently. But he said the first thirty-four holes were the best golf he'd ever seen, and he he hit a shot into thirteen. The pin was I can't remember where it was in a brutally difficult spot. It was into the wind. He said he hit this three on that as soon as he hit it, it was such a perfect shot. You knew it was going to be close to the hole, and it came down that you know close, whether it was two feet or six feet or whatever it was, but. He said it was just the most perfect shot. And it's shots like, holes like that, that bring out the great shots and the great players, which was, you know, Seve at uh, 84 on the fifth hole, that touch of class shot that Trevino went crazy over that one iron. And, you know, the average player is going to bitch about being on a downhill lie. That's not fair. You know, know, three feet further back, I'm on an uphill lie. I've got an easy shot. Now I'm on a downhill lie. Well, it showed why Seve was such a great player. It showed why he was a better player than everyone else had that week because he could hit the shot that was need, that, that needed to be hit where no one else could. Yeah, and then when it steps up and does it, which is the second part of that equation, which is much much more difficult to do. Shaq, Clates touches on something there which is really interesting is that that's what an open at the old course is so special, isn't it? Because we get to see those who can play actually be tested by 
the course. You wouldn't get to see it most days at the old course, I'd imagine. It's mostly people like us who go on the pilgrimage from yeah. scratch players to 20 markers. But in some ways, it's the ultimate golfing test, isn't it? An open at the old course. It's as much pressure as you can possibly have on a golf course that asks the most interesting questions of the players who've got the most ability. It's, a, it's the perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why we're so interested in this year to see how it plays with modern distances. And uh, anyway, we have the tees off property that help. But uh, yeah, just just listening to Clay. So yeah, a couple of the holes, you know, I've gotten a little narrow for my taste. Uh, I was just 13 is the one hole everybody loves so much. And I, I've in my lifetime, the fairway has just gotten so small. So I haven't, I, I struggle to, I, I struggle with it just because I, I don't there aren't many places to hit it. It it seems to me. Um, but yeah, we get to see hopefully, um, some wind and a little change in wind. And then this firmness, which we haven't had the last couple, it's been, they've had been, it's been pretty green going into them, uh, with a lot of rain. So I think when it gets really, really fiery, it could, it, it could be more fascinating. And then we'll just test what, what, these players who don't like to flight the ball do uh, players who don't like to play the, the, the ball on the ground, uh, what they'll do. It definitely asks them to do things, even as far as they hit it, that they're not used to doing. And so that will be fun to watch. Um, and um, we'll just see how they set it up. Uh, you know, I got to play that day. We've talked about it on the show uh, with Jaime Diaz and, and Ben Everill the day after uh, the postponement in 2015 and they used hole locations that the caddies kept looking at, like, what, what, what is this? And, you know, it took me about 15 holes to see what they were talking about. And I finally asked them. And so they do resort to some weird holes because those guys were seeing hole locations they'd never seen in daily play. Um, and I hope they don't, yeah, obviously that, and then and losing control of the greens has been an issue the last three uh, events there that are that are uh, two two men's opens and one uh, women's and um hopefully they don't have that issue again but uh we'll see that's that's uh because they do want to they do no matter what they claim they don't want to see a super low score well uh, there's lots of talk about the dangers of somebody breaking 60 at some point not too distant future at an open at the old course do you buy into that check yeah, it'll happen this year if there's no wind. Uh, so well, I don't know if break sixty, but I think uh, I think a sixty or sixty-one is very likely, just because of how short. I mean, nine and ten are basically in one of those days. If there's no, if there's a light wind, one of those holes is going to be a par three and uh, twelve, depending on you know, the wind, and eighteen is so drivable. So yeah, there's just so many holes that they can be driven, and uh, and maybe not even with driver. Uh, quite a couple of those are probably a three wood. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how that goes and what they do with uh, the, the holes to try to protect it and not get carried away and whether that'll be a good thing or not. I think it'll be a great thing uh, because they should shoot a, a good score. The course will have been closed for quite a while. It'll be in perfect condition if there's no wind and as far as they hit it and you, you, you know, you read back because I'm, I'm trying to go through back uh, all, through all the old opens and I'm going to try and rank them. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's <laughs> taken a lot of time, but you read so many times they, they dealt with crappy, you know, cra- weather uh, in terms of ponds on the greens and casual water. And they've had some, they've had some gruesome <laughs> opens there in terms of conditions and, and being able to score 
And now with everything they have information wise and, and weather and travel and uh, lodging and chefs and they should shoot those scores. And um, but it also should be a good wake up call uh, to uh, kind of do what what uh, uh, a few people believe, which is to 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 use the old course as the as the sort of the guidepost for, for where you roll back distance to. Is, is this a bit of a makeup open in some ways? Clay, as you said, 2015 was pretty controversial when they had to cancel play. I think it was on the Saturday, wasn't it, uh, in the afternoon because the winds, yeah. winds had balls moving on the greens. A little bit like we saw the USGA with the US Open. Is there a bit of a makeup element to this, particularly the old course? I mean, the, they don't get more important than this, do they? The Open's, obviously, it's one of the four most important. You could argue one of the most two most important, but at the old course, it's kind of the most important, isn't it, when it comes to this venue? Does it add some extra pressure for the setup? Uh, I guess. I mean, it's always the first rules don't screw it up. So it's, uh, but in terms of the setup, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's tricky. Um, is a is a more is the question is the more pressure because it's the open it's an Andrews and they've got to set it up properly. Well, Give, you know, yeah, they've they didn't 40. do it last time. <laughs> I guess is the thing is they're a bit like Shinnecock Hills. Where they messed it up the first time, then they messed it up the yeah. second time as well. Yeah, yeah, don't screw it up, yeah. yeah. So it's don't get the greens too fast, which is, you know, clearly that's a result of they're scared about what scores they're going to shoot, so they make the greens too fast and they get, they get a windy day and you can't play. We've done it in Australia more than once. Mm-hmm. So it's the, yeah, they've got to be sensible with it and I'm sure they, well, you assume they will be. Yeah. But you're right about, you know, blowout weather things. I mean, when Nagel won, they lost a day. It was, of course, it was flooded and then... Yeah, they've lost a few days. It's, it's you know, shocking. I mean, Lima had the... And Nicholas had the crazy two sides of the draw and it was terrible weather in 1970. That last day was crazy, that last day, windy. And, I mean, Jacqueline got – it was a long way under par when they stopped play on Thursday because of the wind. The wind and the, the rain. Right? The course flooded in the first day in 1970, I think. Jacqueline only played 14 holes that day. Yeah. They suspended it. Uh. So there's been some, yeah, there's been some crazy weather there. I mean, on the year John Daly won, it was that last day there was brutally difficult. Michael Campbell shot 76 with a lead and lost by one. So, the uh, well, Clayton, don't forget James Braid in 1905. He, he, they threw out the first round that year. So I know you were thinking of that one. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I only know that because I just read it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking uh, of Shaq, when you start to dig into the history of the Open at the Old Course, uh, how much time could you spend doing that? How many Opens have there been? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, and what's it like reading 20, about some of the old stuff? 29. This will be number 30. Fantastic, yeah. What's it like reading yeah. some of the old accounts and some of the old writing? And can you see well, the changes of the course over time by following what people wrote about the time? It's incredible. And, I, and I'm trying not to go too deep because I actually would like to finish this ranking before the Open, um, before I leave and actually have it be pertinent to the Open reading and build up this year. And uh, I'm not even sure why I'm going to rank them. Like, I've only been to two of them. And by Clickbait, the way, those two are going to be clear. not going to be very high it, on the list. Clickbait. But you could kind of get a sense of, of the great Opens. And uh, yeah, of course, there's just the incredible uh, Bobby Jones story in 21, and he throws a tantrum, and then he comes back and dominates in 27. But yeah, I've had more fun with things like uh, yeah, Jock Hutchison winning, and Roger Weather had finished second, and he's and he that was with a penalty. He stepped on his ball. He went up on 14 to look at something, and when he was walking back, he stepped on the ball. 
then the next for the Monday playoff, he didn't want to play. He had a uh, he had a cricket match he wanted to go to, and they talked him into playing, and Hutchison won. I mean, it's just uh, and that was they had a grooves controversy at that one. Uh, you just go through the years, and uh, Bobby Law. I think I no, I didn't mention this on with you guys, but but you know Thompson's wins, his five wins sometimes get. Uh, we know it get downplayed a little because it was in that sort of transition between the, the Hogan Sneed Nelson era before Palmer Nicholas kind of thing. Well, then you look at uh, Bobby Locke was so unbelievable in the open during that stretch and Thompson beat him to win those and, and block won four and, and, and lost the prime years of his life uh, career wise to the war. A few guys did. So you just go through, there've been these people who've had uh, it's generally brought out the, the best player in the game at the time, but there've been a few, you know, there've been a few Dick Burton's and Denny shoots and uh, Louis Oosthuizen's and Zach Johnson's in there. You go, okay, interesting. Um, where the, the best player at the time didn't win, but then there were so many others where the, the best did win and, and played beautifully. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's humbling to go back and read about these accounts and, and know what, uh, and just know the journey. These, some of the, you know, Walter Hagen, the effort he had to make to go play every year in the open. Uh, now you listen to people now and you're like, Oh, shut up. (laughs) You have to (laughs) give me a break. Like I was thinking today, Oh my gosh, the, the, I got to have to walk into town every day. Oh my God. It's going to be so horrible. It's a 20 minute walk. You know, give me a break. And of course, speaking about Roger Weatherard needing to be talked into playing off, was it Davey Strath who refused to play off? Right. They wouldn't, right. Because they wouldn't make the ruling about, the seventeenth hole, what something happened on the his ball hit a spectator or something happened that I don't know what happened exactly, but he refused to play off because they wouldn't make a ruling. He said, "I'm not going to play off for the tournament and then be told after the playoff that I'm being penalised for what's already happened today because they couldn't apparently they couldn't make a ruling over an incident uh, on the on the on the final day." And it, it's Dustin Johnson all over again from. <laughs> <laughs> if he, without a penalty, he was going to be in the playoff and they couldn't make a ruling. And so he said, well, I'm not going to play off if that's the case. And he refused to play Well, off. I yeah, think that's right. That, that that there's something like that. And then there are accounts, though, that so he hit he hit spectators twice uh, coming in. And one of them, they claimed that essentially he um, should decide if he should be disqualified because he hit into the road hole green and he thought it was clear and it wasn't. And yeah, so there were, there were some issues. That's the other thing you go through these accounts and I have some, I have a different books. It's funny to read a few say, Oh, the weather was beautiful. We don't understand why Tom Kidd shot 93 and one. And, and then you read others of the weather was horrible. They were casual water and they, it was the first time casual water penalty had ever been invoked. And then, and then another account, there was no penalty, but there were definitely puddles. And so it's funny to read the differing accounts, but yeah, Strath was, um, was definitely uh, a big one. He refused to play the playoff uh, against Bob Martin and uh, Martin was a caddy. And so he walked the course, I guess he played and hit shots to, 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 to seal the win. And that was when they were playing uh, with the RNA auto meeting. And uh, there were a lot of people, there were huge crowds. So that was one of the reasons Strath hit people. You know, there's just, just crazy stuff like that, that, uh, 
it makes it a lot of fun to to kind of go back and read and and again it's it's quite humbling we think controversy is new don't we but <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> imagine all of that happening in this stage was there not a didn't thompson have a drama at when he won at St Andrews, Clates, he didn't mark his ball properly or didn't move his no, ball back on no, the No, no, that was um, that was Bobby Locke. Who, Locke, yeah, uh, he he had a four shot lead playing with Bruce Crampton. Crampton asked him to mark the coin across. Locke did, forgot to put it back, put it out. Mm. Um, Norman von Neider, who was a uh, mentor of Thompson and a fiery character, not not afraid of controversy made a claim that the win was somehow illegitimate, which broke up the friendship between Locke and Thompson. Thompson was horrified at the, co- the thought that, you know, you know, that of course he knew Locke was the winner and the fact he'd forgotten to put his ball back had nothing to do with it. And, you know, he was clearly going to win the tournament and he wasn't claiming anything, but Locke took that the wrong way. So there, there was a fracture in the relationship. But, um, yeah, that was how it played out. And the RNA, I think, well, I wrote Locke a letter saying, you know, don't let this in any way take away from your win. This is a legitimate win. You were going to win. It's, you know, it's a mistake we all could have made, but we didn't pick it up and no drama, carry on. Yeah, indeed. But you can imagine the blow up on Twitter now. Of oh, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. my God. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> you think of some of the rules controversies we've seen in the last 10 years in that in the social media age, and you're right, Clates, it's just insane. It's Dustin Johnson in 2016, obviously, with the, the drop from the TV tower and everything that followed that, and then there was the issue on the green where they penalised, they didn't know whether they were going to penalise him. And they were, Lexi Thompson at the, what's it now, the Chevron uh, shack back in 2016. 17 with the yeah, when Sayon won. Yeah. Yeah. won the call in after and the you know marched off the 12th green and told about a four shot penalty. So, none of this stuff is new, we always think it's new and it's crazy, which begs the question. I wonder, we never seem to sort it out in golf. It's the most intriguing game, partly because there's no kind of we haven't come to resolution with a lot of this stuff, have we, Clay? So, it's uh, it, it, maybe it's not possible. I mean, people often complain about the rules, and I always say, well, they're about the best rules you can get. And there's no perfect set of rules for golf because you can't account for every circumstance, no matter how hard you try, something's going to come up. <laughs> And make your rule. Yeah, the, the only, yeah, the only rule we don't have is the rule of common sense, really. A whole other episode to be had about that. Outside of the open professional golf and its place in the game, in that sense, and the history of the game, St Andrews, talk a bit about the town itself and the relationship of the course to the town, Clates. It's a pretty special place to go to. For those who haven't been there, the old course is a it's a huge part of St Andrews, but in fact, the university is probably the bigger part of St Andrews in many ways, isn't it? It's got a really interesting relationship with its geographic place. It's more a university town than a golf town, amazingly. Uh, it's a beautiful architecture. It's a beautiful old Scottish town, and there are some towns in Scotland that aren't the most beautiful places in the world, but St Andrews is not one of those. It's a place full of beautiful buildings and character and charm, and the great thing about golf in Scotland is that they played on the essentially useless land for anything else along the edge of the beach in the seaside town so golf in so many towns starts and finishes in the town as it does at St Andrews you know you're you're literally well you're not in the middle of the town because you're on the edge of the beach as well but you walk out of the town onto the first tee and you play out to the far end and come back and you come back to the 18th green back in the middle of the town again and there, you know, there are so many Scottish golf courses that do the same thing. Troon does that. Monifeet does that. North Berwick does that. Uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful way to play the game, and it shows how how much it, it, 
it's a game of the community over there. It's incredible how you know, how integrated the two are and, and, and how beautifully it's done at St Andrews. The complete opposite, Jack, in so many ways of the model we've adopted here in Australia and certainly in the US where golf's kind of over there. Golfers are separate from the yeah. community, aren't they? And golf is separate from the community. There's something to be said. Yeah. Golf maybe should learn some lessons from the old course in that way, shouldn't it? You play the old course, you come down the 18th, there's people, some of them who clearly know nothing about golf, just lined up against the fence watching for a sure. bit of sport as you come down. But that doesn't happen at most golf courses around the world, does it? There's something about that which golf could take from. We have issues in Australia at the moment. Lots of places want to close down their public golf courses and make them park. Right. You don't hear that in Scotland, do you? Uh, but no. not as, well, well, not as much. No. Laws that allow people to cross the golf course to get to the beach to walk their dog and things like that that have prevented that. And then people cherish the sport or cherish that access or or just what it does to preserve uh, access to the beach or views and all that. But uh, yeah, I wrote a piece for McKellar for the next issue asking why nobody has tried to either do a copy of the old course or do a course as complex. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm saying I'm talking a straight copy, just, just take it and try to rebuild it and see what happens. And and you know, it won't come out the same, but it's, it's embarrassing is essentially my point that it's still, or it's the most complex strategic, uh, examination in the game and it, and it, it's kind of embarrassing i think to golf architecture that that hasn't happened but to your question it's also bizarre to me that and i get their liability laws but that a developer uh hasn't i i can't think of a development that sought out to do housing and a community uh and a golf course that somebody didn't say let's let's do what they did where we have the first two holes and we have real estate around it. And then there's a little community village and yeah, there's more real estate, whatever, farther out away, but that we create this little town that we mimic the things that make St. Andrews so special. And I, I can't really think of a development where somebody's done that. They're always dictated by whatever landscape design or, or lots or maximizing every inch of the property. So it's kind of bizarre that this place everybody goes to and worships and and values uh, and recognizes when they're there that that you're never going to recreate it perfectly, but that you don't try to steal more of the the elements of it. it, it it's I find that just bizarre. Um, but most people who are developers are are just you know they're not looking to capture a, a certain kind of aura. They're looking to make money. So that's probably why. <laughs> what a shock. Yeah. And, and, but they'd make more know, money if they built something like it. Uh, yeah. They, uh, if, and, and it worked. The amazing thing is how they ever let them build that hotel down the right of the south. It is, oh, yeah. It's, oh, jeez. You know, if, oh. if, if I was the richest guy in the world, I'd buy that hotel. And, and knock, knock it down. I actually believe you, Clates. Here's a deal, Clates. Take some Saudi money to do a golf course in Saudi Arabia. Use it to buy the hotel and knock it down. Put your money. Put, yeah. put the Saudi money where your yeah, mouth yeah. is. That's the <laughs> do the do the Robin the Robin. You just reminded me. I don't know that one liner will make my top twenty five, but the Henry Longhurst line that when it first opened, it looked like a, a chest with all the drawers pulled out. They've tried to soften <laughs> that architecture and made it not look like that. I mean, his line it was so awful when it opened, and it's 
it's better now, but it's so fortified because, and you really can't sit outside at the Jigger Inn and have a drink anymore. Cause, and I, and I donated to, um, I didn't hit it that far, but people are playing the tees up. You can pump it into that pretty easily. And it's kind of a weird thing because it just gets so many golf balls. <laughs> didn't, well, who was staying there the last opened it? Was it Polter? Showed a he was staying in one of the rooms at the old course hotel there, and he showed oh. a picture. Somebody in the practice round hit a golf ball into his room. <laughs> it was Polter. Yeah, it was Polter. He had the Polter. picture of it. I don't know who it was that hit it into the room, but yeah, it's uh, it's a mm. bizarre sort of a thing. What are the dangers, obviously, Shaq, in that case? And that's probably an example of it. As the old course becomes more and more revered, and it feels like we're moving into a period where lots of young people are really into that kind of retro thing about the game. You could see the old course having a massive rebirth. What are the dangers they need to look out for? There must be temptations uh, to do things like that old course hotel development. Not necessarily an easy thing to manage, is it? Uh, 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 a couple of hundred-year-old amazing antique of the game that's so yeah. important to the modern game simultaneously. Well, yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm reading this, this this really interesting account by uh, Gordon Moyer of, of, of some of the things that happened, the brouhaha, and we were a part of it when they changed the 11th green and mm-hmm. Uh, golf club Atlas, somebody, I can't remember now who posted it, but he talks about her in the book that they were planning to announce it on Monday. And this student walked out there and they waited till the last group went through Sunday to start the work. It had been approved, but it looked so bad the way they went about it. And he kind of acknowledges that. Um, but yeah, you, you, and then you, you realize Peter Dawson drove some of those, those changes and the, the uproar over that. And so, yeah, the Lynx Trust has this uh, bizarre situation where not only do they have the needs of, of the town, the history, uh, then they have the RNA, and you have the RNA making their suggestions. Um, then you have the other golf clubs. It, it's a very complicated thing to manage. But I think that, you know, other than them being so aggressive with people who use the, the term St. Andrews and that going not very well when they've tried to enforce those uh, trademarks sometimes uh, for things that have been doing it for a long time, uh, they do a pretty good job of, of holding it all together and maintaining the course. And, you know, forget we have the Dunhill in the fall and they have various events, the St. Andrews, uh, the trophy. And so it's, 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 yeah, it's very complicated and uh, it's certainly being better taken care of and, guided now than it than it was um uh, in the 70s yeah. and and where it kind of slipped and i think that's the positive of all this recognition the negative of course is that, that it's more popular than ever for tourists and hard to get to and the pressure of tourist and- dollars can be really quite damaging can't they clates i mean you yeah it's such a quaint place i remember being there in 1997 i found this staggering at the time there were two things that stood out you couldn't get a pizza delivered in st andrews when we did get a pizza delivered it came by taxi which was just bizarre <laughs> in 1997 and queuing up for a tea time at the old course at 4 30 in the morning you couldn't get a coffee there was no sort of coffee van but there was a little cafe or restaurant across the road that opened at about six i went over and said got to get a coffee and the bloke said yeah sit down i said i want a takeaway he said no, we don't do takeaway there's 400 people across the road it'll give you 10 quid each for a takeaway coffee mate why don't you do takeaway well, we just don't do it that way so it's there's a bit of a clash of culture there that was in 1997 i remember thinking at the time if you wanted a business here get one of those coffee vans park it here every morning after the summer and make yourself three thousand bucks before the sun comes up easy but there's 
clashes of cultures in there. So the, the pressures of tourist dollars and people coming from over the world, all over the world with expectations, you know, where's the pizza, where's the McDonald's? There's a real care and a real responsibility that those that are looking after the town and the course, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there sure is. And, and, and the hotel's the classic example of just a scar on the land. That, yeah. And, you, and you, you can't imagine how an architect would think that was a, an appropriate building to yeah. build when you've got the clubhouse there and all those old buildings up the side of the 18th hole. And, like, what are they thinking about? But, but you drive all over Britain. I was there a few months ago, and you, and you see the beautiful old buildings and what a miserable effort they made in the 70s to – you know, build things that looked even half respectable all over the place. Yeah, you know, just horrible. Some horrible things happened architecturally in Britain in the in the seventies and eighties. Like the wrong trees on a golf course, Clates. They don't allow the good ones to shine. They hide the the beauty of. Uh... In fact, we dro- we drove into the back of the town. I don't know why we were, I was going for some reason. We were three or four streets back, and there was there's a house in there with an Australian eucalypt in the front garden. <laughs> when? And it's I did, Scotland. Stupidly, stupidly, I didn't take a picture of it. Yeah, there's a gum tree in, in, in St Andrews. Just wow. Why you would plant a gum tree in St Andrews, I have no idea. But anyway, that, is, that was almost as bad as the Old Course Hotel. Sorry. What, which, of I, course, Peter Dawson now runs as, as, as the uh, general manager. So. And, the, and the world rankings, does he know? Is he on the... World rankings, uh, yeah, it's quite the quite the portfolio. He's, a, he'll be dealing with. I was going to say he's got a busy complaints and he's got a busy few months coming up, Peter Dawes. Uh, he <laughs> does, he does, uh, and that is one thing in the book that's uh, Gordon is very clear on that the, the work on the road hole bunker was started uh, dictated by Peter Dawson not feeling like it was collecting shots enough, and uh, so that explains how it's gotten. It's just gotten weird. It's just weird looking. It doesn't look right. And I hope one of these days that uh, somebody will. We saw- it's gotten too swollen and goofy. Was that the? It was a couple of years ago when we saw the photos of the excavators on the course that somebody had taken. Do you remember that? That was yeah, that was that part was, that of was that whole seventeen uh, series of small changes. Some of them were fine. There were yeah. a couple of bunkers they moved that were that were over to the side on number. I think it was four. Moved them closer to the green, and and yeah, there were and, and yeah, just seeing the equipment out there. Yeah, course, seeing an excavator on the old course, yeah, exactly. Sends you to an appetite. And the eleventh work was shocking because it was not known to a lot of us. And you're talking about a sacred green. Now, in hindsight, if you know, the goal was the right goal to try to get that left side of the green pinnable again, because the wind just gets so crazy out there, uh, and so it doesn't take much for that green to be unplayable and be. Because it's a joint green with the seventh and you have people crossing, it would be nice to see that left pin used. It, it's kind of boring when they play the same pin every day um, uh, there. And there's a couple others on the course that they tend to do that. And that happened just at the country club with a fourth hole and people weren't real happy. And it's like, well, they just only have so many hole locations they can use and they have to get the tournament finished. And so it's a, it's a tough call sometimes for these championships. Plates, didn't Scott McPherson come on this very show some years ago and, and commit sacrilege, suggesting there's places where we need to add fairway bunkers on the old course? Do you remember that? We spoke to Scott when his book came out. He was talking about the old course and adding adding bunkers. and I have to go back and listen to that, I yeah. Might. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure um, that he did. Speaking about hole locations, Shaq. Um, hole locations. <laughs> hole locations. Yeah, yeah. things, yeah, yeah. What's, go- what's going to happen when someone hits it in the burn on the first hole? Is that... He's hit it into the penalty area. 
or they got to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I would hope they'll just say into the burn. I, you know. yeah. Please, <laughs> the please lingo someone, is so bad. Please, someone don't call the burn a penalty area. You know it's coming. Yeah, it's, you know it's coming. Rating. It's awful. It's the worst, isn't it? He's in the penalty. And hazards is such a great word. It's been a part of a golf lingo since. Actually, I'm going to look that up now because I'm. They've misread I'm that. They misread because it's all within that. reach of me while we're doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> they misread the historical that dictionary of golfing terms. I'm going to look it up. They misread that badly, haven't they, Shaq? Changing some of those terms and go, well, Clates, I'll ask you while Shaq's looking up in his. 1744, book. first reference to, the hazard. to uh, hazards. Yeah. In the uh, yeah. articles and laws and yeah. in, in playing. At golf, uh, neither trench, ditch, or dike made for the preservation of the links, nor the scholars' holes or the soldiers' lines shall be accounted a hazard with a capital H. But the ball is to be taken out, teed, and played with any iron club. That was uh, 1744 is about as far as you can go with uh, things in writing about yeah, golf. Capital H, proper name. That was a noble idea that's just completely <laughs> that should never have been instituted, wasn't it? Let's try and modernise the language and make it more diverse. Oh, because it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, what yeah, happened? ludicrous. I mean, yeah, just tied it, tied oh, it, tied it to the old square. I mean, just what are you thinking about? You know, is that all you've got to worry about? Is renaming a hazard or penalty area? <laughs> Capital H, proper noun too. Capital H hazards. It's mm, not seventeen forty-four. Yeah. So you're in that book now, uh, Shaq. I can see you. What else are you looking up there? No, I just was just. Uh, it's a great book. It's <laughs> uh, it's by Peter Davies, and it's called the Historical Dictionary of Golfing Terms. And I go to it all the time because. Uh, and by the way, it's called the Historical Dictionary of Golfing Terms. It's become some thing of people to uh, bitch golfing. about that word, yeah. and the word golfing has been used for hundreds of years. I don't know why that's become something that people yeah. are offended by, but penalty area is not. Now, speaking of books and quotes on the old course, I must dig up my Gary Player book, Shaq, where he refers to playing the golf course, playing the old course as akin to playing golf in a bathtub. So Sorry? That can, he, he said, he said, what was his and, uh, point of that? It, playing it, well, he was criticising the old course, saying, Playing, playing golf at St Andrews is like playing golf in a bathtub. So, but I'll dig up the exact quote. You can add it to your other quotes of famous quotes over the years. Wow. Yeah, I don't think he'll make my list. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah. I've, I'm like I said. I've whittled it. The place is so amazing uh, that that I I was going to do the best quotes ever about the old course, and then I realized you could actually do the best one-liners. There are so many great, just simple one-sentence quotes about it. No other golf course has that. Nothing, nothing comes close to, to having some, and through the generations, it's just fascinating. And, and like, I am weaving in a few of the, <laughs> the, the bitchier comments, yeah. uh, when the guys were cranky, but, um, not too many. That's some of their best stuff, Shaq. That's what people really want to hear. Oh, it? no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. People well, come for the car crashes. And even Sam Sneed, you know, got to love it. And, uh, I don't think Ed Fergal ever did or Scott Hoke ever did, but. Wasn't West, West, Westwood was a, a critic for a long time? Didn't somebody ask him? If, Who? They said, Westwood. Someone said, oh, what do you think about the old course? It is not in my top 200. And they said in Scotland. He said, well, no, in Fife. <laughs> he's going to love Pumpkin Ridge and uh, Rich Harvest well, Farms. Those are, that's, that, his, that's his territory now. You, you're wandering into the penalty area there talking about Liverpool. I'm sorry. So I'm just, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Roll people. back the ball. Roll yeah, back the roll ball. Roll back the ball. Clates, <laughs> you've been to the old course now in St. Andrews many times. Yeah. Right? What's the difference between an open week and just going to scenarios of the old course. Well, what what happens during open week? I imagine it's going to be, obviously it's a big celebration of the game. But talk a bit about what it's what it's like to be there when there's no open compared to when the open is on. 
Well, it's always busy. I guess when the Open's on, it's just heightened. You see people from all over the world that some you know, some you don't, but it's amazing who you run into at an Open. Um, there are a lot of people making a lot of money out of renting rooms more than they normally make. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's always a busy town. There are always lots of people there. And there are always people on the golf course, and it's. Um, but the opens, yeah, the opens, the open week. It, it's heightened by you know all the people that are there from all over the world who want to see it, and it's um it's probably the worst place to watch golf it's in awful, terms of it? open courses. <laughs> it's just horrifically difficult to watch golf. You really pretty much most of the the, the spectating is done from off the golf course. Yeah. So you, te- you know, people tend to go out. I remember going out the back and. Um, hanging around the 11th tee and you know, the end of the loop there and you, you can watch quite a bit from there but if you're following someone it's incredibly difficult to follow one group but but it's um, well you can't get out can you Clutch? You, you, you've got to, you sort of got to stay outside the bounds of the course really don't you yeah, but, so it is a spectator yeah. situation you can't actually follow along I mean there's there's no way you could at the old course it's, it's just not capable of catering to that yeah you're walking outside the fence on um, yeah 14, 15, you know, those holes coming back in. And, yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre place to watch golf, but um, it's, a, it's a crazy town because everyone's there. You know, the whole world, the whole golfing world seems to go there for the week of the Open. Shaq, you've been to a number of Opens. What's the difference about the old course Opens compared to other Opens? Is there something different about them? Because Well, the yeah, there's just that, the town element that you don't really get Anywhere else, you get a little bit at uh, Muirfield and Gullen, but nothing really comparable where you just walk off and, I mean, you have the, the, the world, they now call it the World Golf Museum is literally across the street from the, the clubhouse where they're going to have some book signings and the Seve exhibit and they'll have, I mean, that's right there. And then the Scores Hotel and you have all these hotels where people are, are hanging out and now uh, Russick says this rooftop bar and uh, so there are all these places, kind of communal gathering spots. Of course, the Dun Vegan, um, and then they're going to have the Freedom of the City or whatever they're calling it for Jack Nicholas in town, and the honorary degrees. Unfortunately, they're having that in the middle of the day, so I, I'm not going to that. I don't know who's going to go, but it, it'll be that'll be a long ceremony. Very nice, but I don't know why they have it in the middle of the day when people would like to be out watching the players practice and and all that. So. Uh, everything about it is just kind of connected to that. And, and it's, it's just there. You just come around the corner and there it is in the grandstands. And it's, uh, uh, it's just very special. And so it, and then the golf itself hopefully will be great and hopefully they don't screw up the setup and, uh, and we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll have a great week. It normally is. I think that's something you come from Australia or America. I imagine it's both the same clates anywhere you go in the UK, but, I noticed it probably particularly in St Andrews, just the age of things. It's unfathomable to us. Well, Presswick, I noticed. You get off the first hole at Presswick, there's a house down the right end, so it's been there since the 1200s. It's like, what? <laughs> we, think, we think 80 years is old here in Australia. If something's 120 yeah. years old, it's extraordinary. You get these things that are six, seven, eight hundred years old, and you, you see that at the old course, and even though people who aren't interested in history can't help but imagine 200 years ago there were people here watching people play golf. You know, the golf shops along that, what's the name of that? Uh, lane way down the right hand side. Links Road. Links Road there, is it? Yeah. yeah. We used to, uh, what happened with the old Tom Morris shop? It was down there, wasn't it? Didn't they change it to oh, the don't open get me shop? Going on or, that. Don't, don't. Have they not That's fixed that whole disgraceful um, thing before? But that, they, did a, they did a beautiful restoration of it, the Links Trust. And 
<laughs> you can, you can, you can, we did a feature for golf channel. It's still online and you can see the old markings in the floor from the, from, from when they were making the clubs. Wow. And they had this wonderful line of old Tom Morris gear and stuff. And so they kept the, 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 the sign and they restored it and all that. And the last few years it's been the open the shop open and they have the horrible, the open does horrible merchandise. And they put this sign over old Tom Morris, it just says the open. And then I believe in August, I got a press release. It's going to become a Travis Matthew driven. They've signed some <clears throat> partnership with the links trust. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. I get it. If you got to do something for the shop, but don't cover up the old no. Tom Morris Our team. It's T Morris is what it says. And then there's a cool little small art deco sign on the side. When you're walking down the street, you just like, really, I realized Forgan and all the other ones are gone, but really. Uh, and, and Sheila is, is a great, great. I always get this wrong. Great, great granddaughter. <laughs> she lives upstairs still. And hangs out the window uh, during the tournament and uh, during the championship. It's like, why, why do you have to do yeah. that with a sign? But they do. So I can't believe they've stuck to it. The amount of controversy. I mean, that shop is we, just the history of that yeah. shop alone. The people who went in there, yeah. C.B. McDonald, yeah. Bobby Jones, A.W. Yeah. Tillinghast, on and on, who were mentored and learned. It was kind of the first golf shop where people hung out and and the pro held court and and the young people went and and were included in the sport and it alone has an unbelievable well, history. Exactly. So it should be treated like the old course. It should not be a, a place to get, uh, you know, the latest flat brim from Travis Matthew. In a funny way, that that shop, that building, Shaq's probably had a bigger impact on golf than the old course itself. Mm. When you think in, about- In a lot of ways, sure. You yeah. think about who's been through uh, there and then where they spread like- to beyond there. That's the thing. They took it from the old course and they took it back to America and internationally and, and everything. Yeah, all the- Really Take important. that! I wrote a piece uh, for a St. Andrews publication on that very topic because I mentioned to Laurie Watson there my that exact point that it really was the beginning of the golf shop and and the welcoming and and kind of an older player mentoring young players and stories being told and uh, it's 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 an incredible place what that did for the game and uh, I'll have to dig that piece up. I don't know uh, it never appeared online, but I'm sure it's somewhere on my computer. But I. I went through some of the things that had gone on there, and and uh, I mean, CB McDonald well, that, lays out the whole story in his book. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, and then what spread from there, where it thing. went? Yeah, yeah, kind of almost viral. Clates, what are you looking forward to coming up in the next uh, golf of the old course? Is always fun. Anything in particular interest, or are you just going to sit back and passively take it all in over four days, or is there something in particular you want to see? I can watch it, see, how, see what happens, and see how Tiger's playing. So that'll be. It's always fascinating to see the state of his game. Um, is he we're best? Assuming he, we're assuming he can't win. We're assuming he can't win, aren't we? I'm not. Oh, I don't know about I'm that. I'm not assuming I mean, that at all. No. no? Well, I, you, I, I think the firmer it's getting, the, more, oh, the better it is for true. him. I just don't know. How, you know, will he get the rust off at the uh, JP yeah, McManus no. thing playing some? You know, uh, what's it called? A Dare Manor. Yeah. Which pretty much is the polar opposite of the old course. <laughs> isn't it green? More, isn't it more lush, shack inland? Irish Fazio, yeah. Won't it be more about the the nature of the ground and whether his leg can hold up to some of the stresses and strains or some of those awkward stances and lines? That feels to me like it'll be the bigger problem for him. And we saw that he's you know he's capable of hitting the ball and playing the game. It's about whether yeah. he can physically walk it. And- I don't know if, it, yeah, I don't. I he won't he won't tell us what irritates it. If it's climbing, walking down, if it's looks horrible. I think it's 
it looks yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know what it, it is. He's been photographed recently at yeah. soccer games without the sleeve on his leg, so that's a good sign. Of course, in Florida at this time of year, it's 140 degrees, so he's also you don't really need anything to keep things warm. Um, but he uh, over there, I'm sure he'll that'll be an issue. Yeah, I just don't know what if it's cold weather. If it's, I mean, the, the weather this year has just been awful at the majors for for him for if if cold weather is indeed the issue and we've had three i mean we've had a yeah he wouldn't have been at the country club but it was it was kind of cool on um sunday really cool so uh, but augusta and southern hills were crazy for for those places so hopefully the weather stays comfortable yeah um but i didn't know big hills to climb i think it's more of yeah does he just avoid taking a bath? i mean country the country club would have been a hard oh, walk yeah, for him very much very there's some really steep climbs and different things and places and then the walk even the walkways off the tees are kind of they're great they're they're but you can take a bad step because they're just kind of clunk clumpy fescue they aren't mown little lavish little uh lawns like uh other courses augusta or southern hills so i think it's a matter of rust uh and if he can if he if he really is serious and, pl- and prepares for this jp mcmanus thing and then I'm assuming he's staying over there. I'm assuming maybe his son has come along. I'm hoping he goes plays some links golf with him. And, and uh, I mean, he can handle it, but he still is shown. He, f- he got, he got tired in these other ones besides Take, maybe irritating sorry. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, I think his mind, the way he was hitting the ball at Southern Hills, his drive and his evaluation of the state of the game, where I think he has to look at that field and say, mm-hmm. there are probably 15 guys who are playing well enough. It seems like a year where form going into the majors is holding. It's really holding. Uh, nobody's gone to a major and just suddenly flipped a switch this year. And mm. I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, Tiger's ability to pick that course apart is like nobody else in the field except maybe Spieth. Yeah. And Rory now has a lot of knowledge of the course, but I still question his thinking mm. uh, and his decision-making sometimes. Will he try to overpower it? He was showing pretty good patience at the country club. So I, I just think if things are going well with the ball striking and the body, that he's got the mind and the memory and the uh, ability to uh, handle whatever is put forward. Why are you assuming? And the firmer, the firmer yeah, it gets, uh, the better. For that's what I think. I, think. I agree too. Why are you assuming he can't win, Clates? What's just because are we underestimating uh, golf or overestimating Tiger to think that he can win? Um. Well, he just uh, the rust. I mean, he hasn't. He's barely played, and you know, it's, yeah. Um, you know, it's, can you win a major? At was he forty-seven? He, he would be the Nicholson aside. That would he be the oldest? No, Julius Boros is forty-eight. No, no, no. He's not there yet. No, he's born seventy-five December, so he's yeah, he's forty-seven so he's this year. 40. Yeah. So you know, he would be in terms of winning majors. He would be old and he's injured and he hasn't played, and you know, but. No one's ever gotten poor by underestimating Tiger Woods. Yeah. Here's one for you. Bobby Jones. Oh, go ahead. There you go. There you go. St. Andrews is the least obvious course in the world. It is covered with concealed rolls, bunkers, hollows, and hummocks, which become more and more bewildering as the ground becomes harder. Uh, and I think that's good for him. But Yeah. But yep. like Carnoustie, he hit two bad or two. He missed two shots at Carnoustie. Yeah, doesn't that take day. much. Molinari <laughs> didn't miss any, <laughs> and and that much. shows you when it gets like that. Yeah, 
the, the, it's a fine line. And if he's rusty, that's, he's going to miss more than two. So, uh, but I don't see many guys who are really in form who are a fit with what it presents that way. I, I think Scheffler's going to, the way things are going, he's going to love it. And he likes the wind and the ground game, but Spieth hasn't, hasn't been great. Um, Spieth turns it on and off, oh, yeah. though, doesn't he, Shaq? I mean, Spieth gets to Augusta and he's a different player no matter what's yeah, happening. Yeah, and week he should be there. Same at the old yeah. course, I would think. Something gets lit in him by that kind of golf where the imagination is fine. Is it a more imagination to play the course? Does it require more imagination than most other places, or do we overblow that as well? Do you just have to hit the ball in the middle of the face where you're looking? No, it requires more imagination. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to understand the golf course, I think, although Tony Lima... Yeah, you know, again, going back to that, I mean, he, I guess he didn't understand the golf course, but he he played it well, and he got and he and he got a good draw. I mean, you look at that, and when Louis won, Louis got the great side of the draw in yeah. two thousand and ten. So the draw, that's right, yeah, can have a lot to do with what happens. Yeah. So you need to get the if there's a good and bad side of the draw, you need to be on the good side of it. Yeah. Otherwise, you've got a lot of catching up to do. And last plates was there. Yep. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go shake you again. Well, anything stood out when you were there uh, earlier this year? That that uh, was new to you, or just different? No, it just or, it was just how 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 short and bouncy and fast the fairways mm, were. Yeah, so the ball's going to run forever, mm. unless it rains between now and then. But you know, it, it'll Even, be firm and fast and bouncy, and not as firm as Canusti, You wouldn't think. I'd imagine that was crazy that year, wasn't it? A couple of years ago, twenty eighteen. That was when Harrington it was firm. Hit a three hundred and seventy yard three wood on one of the holes. I think he yeah. said, didn't he? And 170 of that might have been uh, might have been on the ground. Hoylake was Hoylake was yeah, it was crazy. It was, yeah, uh, Mirfield in twenty thirteen was pretty yeah, crazy yeah. too. Didn't they banned smoking the week of um, Hoylake that when Tiger won it that year. Clades didn't they? Didn't they tell Daly you couldn't smoke because it was a bushfire? It was a fire risk. You couldn't be throwing cigarette butts on the ground and stuff. Remember, there was some controversy. That's how dry it was and how brown it was yeah. uh, at the time. Last thing, Clades, from me: uh, Is the caddy more important in some ways at St Andrews than other places? You said you had Steve Williams on the bag the first time you went there, and you talked about Tony Lima and a local caddy. Local in Morikawa was going to have a local caddy. I think you suggested Shaq or a caddy that's been there a bunch of times. How much? No, is- no, no, no. Oh, his normal caddies caddied in the open. Right. Yeah. Adam Scott takes a local caddy. Right. In the practice rounds. Any importance to that, Clayton, or can that be overstated as well? Uh, probably overstated. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure, really. I'm not sure how- I'm not, well, I don't know. I'm not sure how good the local caddies really are. And the local, I, I've never had a local caddy there, so I'm not sure how mm. good they are and how well prepared they would be to you know, caddy for someone in an open. They might be great for caddying for tourists and telling them to aim at the spire on the way in, but <laughs> when it came to the nuance of picking a line on, on, the, on the, you know, the 13th hole in the last round of an open, would a local caddy choke his brains out? Are you, not, are you, su- are you suggesting that? Yeah, no, I'm – yeah. <laughs> Well, no, that's different. That. Yeah, I mean, I mean more in prepping for tee shots and wins, yeah. and yeah. yeah, I think they're handy. But yeah, I mean, Tom Doak caddied there for six months or a year, six months probably. You know, if you had Tom Doak caddying for you in the open, that probably wouldn't be the worst thing you could do. Are you suggesting there's a difference, Clates, between telling people who've got no idea what they're doing to aim at the spire and telling blokes who really could hit the spire if they needed to to aim at the spire? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> there's two levels levels going on here. 
Uh, it'll be intriguing no matter what. Uh, envious of you going to be there, Shaq, although I'm sure it'll be very busy and lots of work and all the rest of it, but it'll be a good fun week, so envious of you being there. How many? How many is this at the old calls for you? You were there in 2015? Were you there in 2010? Yeah, this will be my third third, third one there. there. So yeah. I'm hoping uh, this one concludes with a little more... Uh, uh, you know, Louis was kind of a runaway, yeah. the, the weird luck of the draw helping. And then, uh, uh, Zach, yeah, was, 20. Uh, yeah, no, I'm remembering it. I'm just trying to put it in words <laughs> without sounding like a total jerk, but it was not, <laughs> not the most satisfying end. I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, I really speak, you know, should have won that one by several, but he came in and he got he, tired yeah. and, uh, he had some weird stuff. Also luck of the draw wise, uh, brutal luck of the draw, and he still missed the playoff by what one one shot. Uh, should have won. I mean, he was just playing unbelievable yeah. then, and and uh, I would love to see him. Yeah, that would be really fun to see him. Mm-hmm. He's not. He is playing the Scottish. I interviewed him at Riviera about this, but he is. Uh, he's going to be over there because he did kind of without you know he can't he can't fully admit <laughs> he shouldn't have been playing the deer. But it was as close as he'll get to saying it'll get me there and acclimated and playing Lynx golf. And um and he, you know, he's very well prepared. His caddy's unbelievably prepared. His caddy will go out before the rounds and watch other people playing the course. He did that last time. He didn't remember. I it's funny, I asked him about that. And I don't know if he was being coy. I gotta I gotta listen to it again. It was it was interesting. He he didn't want to admit it or he kind of forgot that Greller went out and, and checked stuff. Um, I saw him out there. I've seen Joe LaCava out there. He'll do that for Tiger. He'll go out and walk the course. I suspect Bones will do that for Justin Thomas. So those guys will do that. Because you, you really do have to you have to see some of those hole locations because you just don't see them well from the fairway. And the pin sheet doesn't tell you. It no. tells you where it is. But you still need to. It's just so much going on in the greens. you got to know where to hit it, miss it. And I love, I love stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of thing that uh, going there and kind of being able to watch is to see who's out and doing that kind of thing and hopefully there's reception to tweet about it and hopefully i won't get arrested if i take a photograph and there's, all that there's nothing like being at the course is there shack i've worked for far too many people in the publishing side of the business in recent years who think ah, it's all on tv and you can get the transcripts off asap sports why would you need to go there the lack of understanding of what you get when yeah. you go to the site is extraordinary it's uh it is but it's also hard because so much of what people expect now for coverage is kind of what gets the hits and if you try to and i, I was just debating this today because i do a newsletter and i could do whatever i want for a change at an open uh, i mean i was very lucky i happened to be out there with spieth at um, um burkdale and got to come in and say hey i want to write this i was out there and the editor went great and uh i could do it but uh, do I, you know, do what I do, which is kind of some recaps or do I try to go do something a little different, you know, follow, uh, somebody or sit on a hole all day and write about that. I kind of feel like I should do that. Do that. Um, <laughs> as a yeah. reader, I'll do, do it. I'll, I got to do at least yeah. one or two days. I mean, my okay. favorite place to sit is, uh, out at seven and, and 11, the, the crazy stuff you see there is just amazing with the, with the two greens and people hitting shots and 80 foot putts and, and you can see over at number eight and it's, it's fantastic. So yeah, I, well, I'll try to, I got to try to do more to capture the, the, the flavor of what's there and let, let somebody else do the roundup, uh, 
and not sit in the stupid, not go all the way there to sit in the press center. That's um, right. Plenty of recaps. But I also kind of enjoy doing what I do because I, I enjoy reading some of the other stuff that went on and the reactions. And, and it's just part of the, is, is the fun of the modern golf tournament are those things that when you read the old accounts, they, they would love to have our problems. They would love, yeah, you know, to very much. have Twitter. They would love to have, yeah. uh, just things that document things better. You, you, you know, reading Donald, I interviewed Donald Steele and his wonderful book and some of the stuff they had to do to, to file their story. And <laughs> what a pain in the ass. It was awful. Yeah. Um, it was great. They only had to write one piece during the week, but it was weird. And, and they would, I think those little writers, as much as that was fun for them, they would love the, the kind of the thrill of the, what's the story each day and finding something. So I'm not gonna, I certainly don't bemoan it. I just gotta make sure that I, I get the most out of my time there. There's always something to complain about, Shaq. That's the key to living in the first world, that there's always something. To oh, yeah, about. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> good things well get. don't worry. We'll find it over there. But no, I think it's going to be a great week. And the RNA is so excited about this. They have a lot of things planned and um, they are all in on this 150th and good for them and playing up the history of the uh, Open. And I think right. they see it as a chance to kind of educate a new generation on things. And, um, yeah, I wrote a piece for the program. I'm very proud of, uh, that, that oh, I, well I hope I haven't seen the final edition, but it, it kind of encapsulates why it's just so unbelievable. The return to the old course in the world of sport, there is just nothing. Not. The only thing remotely comparable is Royal Ascot. And that place is a, it looks like an airport terminal, the building. I mean, it reflects nothing of the fact they've been, running on the same track for 300 years. <laughs> so um, we're very lucky to have what we have. It's uh, even if they have to go tee off on other golf courses <laughs> and put the pins on, on knobs. But uh, we can but fix I, that, I, Jeff. We can oh, fix that. That's the key to that. We can fix well, that. Well, I, I, yeah, we didn't address that. I, I want to hear Clay's. I mean, Clay's, what is the thing we should be looking? I know you want to wrap this up. But I got to ask quickly. What, like, Because mm, no. I'm still trying to figure it out. But are we rooting for A chaos? that that says okay enough is enough we got to do the ball we got to do the driver thing or are we yeah. rooting for what are we rooting for <laughs> we're rooting we're, we're rooting for a 54 on the saudi arabians to come no. the, 54 million bucks million dollars <laughs> <laughs> no i i, I, I yeah, think we're um, penny to them I, I think we're no i think we're rooting for the chaos i think we're rooting yeah for Someone to break with a good years. winner on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone <laughs> shoots, you know, Will Zalatoris using decade to shoot fifty nine on Sunday to win by a shot. Yeah, nah. Let him do it Thursday, and then Spieth can win Sunday, and then we get everything that we want. Spieth yeah. or Tiger or some other good yeah, story. No, yeah. Rory think, or yeah, we think you know the weather's terrible and two eighty six wins and it's Tiger Woods and 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 yeah, I mean there were so many crazy scenarios. I mean, it's, I mean, how can Rory not be not have eight majors or nine, ten majors by now. I mean, he's just staggering. Yeah. He hasn't won one in eight years. And he, is he is he the is he turning into the modern day Greg Norman? Where you know, why why can't he get this thing done anymore? Well, why? What do you reckon, Clates? You've played the game at the top level. He's not missing anything, is he physically? No, he's not missing anything. No, uh, so did, why he didn't didn't seemingly he didn't seem to play very well on the weekend. At he's probably shoot seventy three the third day at mm -hmm. Brooklyn and. Took him out of it a little bit and just didn't seem to be sharp. And you watch the guy play and you think, why isn't he the 
dominant best player in the world by a long way. And what's going on there? I mean, only he knows what's going on, really. Only he knows what it feels like and what goes on in his head. But it's you know, it's time. I think his game's in. I think it's in great shape. He just has got. He has got to. I mean, this he's taken on a second job with this. Yeah. I mean, he is yeah, without yeah, him, yeah. the tour is toast. He's yeah. he yeah, he is yeah. so much better talking about this than Jay Monahan. Yeah. And he has taken on a burden. He looked awful at the travelers. He looked tired. He needs to to and th- he's not playing the Scottish because he doesn't like Renaissance. And he's gonna come into this, I hope, rested and ready and really minimize what he does and the other stuff. He'll play the champions thing on Monday, I would bet. But Otherwise, well, I think he's weirdly energized by it, Shaq. Oh, I think he's energized to yeah, a point, yeah. but I don't think he right. Re- and I think Azinger hit on this. I don't think he recognizes uh, what that takes out of you. Yeah. Uh, weeks, all the conference weeks, yeah. calls and all the conversations on the range and the gossiping and the, the eh, no, that's for a guy who's later in his career and he's in his prime still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Canada's Canada's so, the Rory that you expect to see, and if we see that Rory at the old course you can't see how anybody else could win can you yeah well he better rest up because he looked awful yeah uh, he looked awful at the travelers and it was bad lighting and you know who knows it could have been a bunch of things but well, uh, he looked like he lost some weight all that stuff it's so an important he- it's an important one in that sense too isn't it shack or could be uh given the state of play at the top of world golf there's lots of you know intangibles that are quite important about this particular week potentially yeah, well, I think the U.S. Open was incredible that way. The sort of the contrast of what it looks like when people are competing and trying to win a, a significant championship, and none of those people are going to this exhibition thing. And so, yes, yeah, so need, we need another week like that to just remind people of what it can look like and uh, what it feels like and the tension. And I, I, I went out on the course, so I didn't see the last six holes on TV, but the the tension outside and the, and the, and it was, you know, it was not a nice day. It was very kind of dank and dark and, but you, it was incredible. The feeling out there. Well, both weekend days, really, uh, uh, the intensity of the, and the wind helped quite a bit. It was pretty significant. And then the, the, the venue was great and you could just feel the determination of these guys to win. And, uh, yes. So we need another one of those and, and to have the course pushing back a little, if it's a pushover, I don't know what, the, what happens there. Um, I don't, I don't see it being a pushover if it's getting firm, even if the wind is down, I mean, I got to shoot low scores because of, of the number of short par fours, but, uh, I still think it can be an interesting challenge that weeds out the, the guy who's just bombing it yeah. and hitting it close. A competitive open at the whole course is a great ad for the game outside the game, isn't it, Clades? That That's what you, if you had a non-golfer and you wanted to show them golf at its best, you'd show them a great competitive open at the old course, wouldn't you? That's as good as golf can be. Yeah, you would. Yeah, oh, yeah, you would. Yeah. You would. Just but, I mean, golf's been great the last month. It's Agreed. Been, I'm not sure if it's a reaction to what's going on, but Canada was great. The Open was amazing. The women's LPJ was a brilliant tournament. Fabulous, yeah. So, you know, we've mm, seen some great stuff this last month. So we'll, um, are they playing in Portland this week or is it next yeah. week? No, this week. No, no, it's this week. This oh, week, yeah, yeah, no, this there week. you go. Yeah. You got a tip, yeah, Clay? You, you studied the field. You got a tip? Who's going to win it? Yeah, Portland this week. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the well, we'll see how the draft goes yeah. with the Majestic. God. But, uh, of course, the draft, they've already, these guys are so well. stupid. <laughs> they suppose the draft they're having, they've all blown that the teams are prearranged. I mean, the whole thing is just, wait till you see some of the visuals of Brooks and, 
Reed and uh, Pat Perez doing a press conference together and just looking like D bag, just looking like jerks. Uh, it's it's ugly. So I mean that's uh, a that's the beauty is that, that the contrast of that with what we've been uh, having is is quite apparent and uh hopefully we'll get a lot of uh, excitement going into this over i'm really happy i know we don't want to talk about it, but they, they got this whatever the latest strategic alliance update done so that the scottish open is more about preparing for the open and, and just a good tournament the week before and and uh and none of this circus stuff and then and we'll see what happens during open week but uh i think it's going to be sensational can't help but wonder what it's all going to look like this time next year, can you? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I just I think people just need to be resigned. It's going to be this sort of splintered thing yeah. for a few years until the Saudis either have great success with a television partner or it flames out. But uh, yeah. at the moment, they still haven't really lost anybody to this thing Not, that you go, wow. Oh no. Uh, oh man. I wanted to see him play for the next 10 years and, and watch his career develop. There hasn't, you know, sorry, Dave answer and Carlos Ortiz are younger guys and Matt Walsh just, you know, whatever. It's just been a mess since he turned pro. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't sense until that happens. Um, I think it's just going to be kind of like tennis is, but a little bit, not, not as bad. Yeah. If you don't, majors will be as big as ever. It's going to take, it's going to take ten years at, at least, least. before yeah. we know what, what how it's all going yeah. to play out. Isn't at it? least, yeah. You know, no one has any idea what's going to happen, really. If you if you're not a fan of the PGA Tour, and I think we've all outed ourselves as not being fans of the PGA Tour and a lot of what they do at various times in the past. If you if you don't like them having the most powerful position in the game, think about what it might look like if the Saudis achieve that through live. Yeah, and you might come back to thinking it's broken, but we can fix it as opposed to the alternative is necessarily better. Enough about that. We'll talk about that next time. Clates, good to have you aboard. Thank you for that, mate. We'll watch from down here in Thank the middle right. of the night and have to stay up until 4 o'clock in the morning, nodding off every 15 minutes and waking back up to see the golf. Shaq, you'll be over there and it'll all be on during the daytime for you. So good luck. Looking forward to your dispatches. The quadrilateral, if people haven't signed up yet, they just Google search that. How do you how do you find yep, it? To, to that's the best search? way. Jeff and golf and uh, G off and golf and you'll find it eventually if you can't spell quadrilateral. quadrilateral. I met a, met a fan of yours yesterday. He's a customer of mine here at the podcast studio. Oh, I nice. I rang about something. He said, do you do some podcast called State of the Game? I said, yeah. He said, I didn't know that. He said, I love Shackleford. He's fantastic. You know, there's nothing. Uh, you know, I nice. He's terrific. Well, I said, I said to him, do you get the quadrilateral? He said, no. I said, well, you'd better start. Uh, so hopefully you'll get a yeah. sign-up from Australia today, which would be nice. Okay. I, I've gotten a few. <laughs> okay. A lot of my sign-ups lately have been international, so oh, thank well. you. Let's hope for, uh, oh, no, for some more. Now, no, Jeff, my, um, my McKenzie reader turned up yeah. last week. Yeah, I was just yeah. looking at that today. Which is a book that Josh Pettit put together, 150 yeah. copies. Give so it a plug. How do you get it? Now. How do you get it? Uh, you you ask, ask me or Shaq <laughs> and he'll send you a copy. But No, um, no, we each got our one copy. Yeah, that's good to hear. I've been waiting for him to hear or tell me when he's going to print more. So, But they're reprinting more, so it's, it's a beautiful book. Basically, it's a collection of everything Mackenzie wrote with a few articles in the back, including – one by me, one by, by Shaq, one by Mike DeVries, and a few others. So it's, uh, it What's it called? It's called the McKenzie Reader, and, it, the and it's just a, yeah. yeah, and mostly it's mostly McKenzie pieces, and then well, we'll have Josh on when he's ready to promote and sell this next yeah. edition because I know he he wanted to wait, but um, he colorized a lot of uh, the old photos, which which and he does a beautiful job. He doesn't 
do it. That can go either way, that, can't it? You've got to be a bit careful with that. Colorado. Yeah, it's done in a very tasteful. Josh has great taste in everything. So he he tastefully does the colorization. He's got the the routing plans of the courses on fold-out maps, including McKenzie's old course rendering, et cetera, et cetera. It's just just beautifully done. And and some of these pieces appeared in my books or other books, uh, but to have them all in one place is really neat. Fabulous. All right, well, we'll we'll, we'll get yeah, him on when the when the reprint's ready. It's definitely the book of the year by a long way. Yeah, although I'll say I've got a couple of uh, some exciting new books are coming out, so I have that covered in the uh, newsletter coming up. I'm finishing up Q and A's with these folks, and uh, one's a really neat book of of uh, old black and whites from from Scotland golf, mostly the old course, and uh, and as I said, Gordon's book, and uh, yeah, there's a. The, uh, it's nice. There's a lot of nice books coming out right now. Let's let the listeners go. State of the game one, yes. two, I think. We'll be back to do it all again, probably in the not-too-distant future, here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.